For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. Don't take the highs too high and don't take the lows too low because in the championship, games come thick and fast and you get a quick enough time to turn around. So when we lose or win, you've got to try and think of the next game. You try and enjoy the moment. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. You're now listening to The Coaches Network podcast aiming to bring people at the heart of coach and player development together. My name is Coach Yas, a UEFA A licensed FA Advanced Youth Award and FA Goalkeeper B licensed coach. With over 10 years of experience working in youth football from grassroots right through to Premier League academies, I'm currently operating as an affiliate tutor for the FA alongside working towards a Masters in Performance Football Coaching. Today I'm going to be joined by my co-host and the Coaches Network Analysis Specialist, Coach Ben. Ben is a UEFA A licensed coach who holds the FA Youth Award and a Masters in Sports Coaching, with 10 years of experience including working across the male and female youth development pathways, alongside a vast experience on individual, player and team performance analysis. And as part of our Insight series, we'll be joined by a range of individuals working across multiple disciplines within the coaching world in order to explore their journeys and dig deeper into their experiences, so that we can leave you with some golden nuggets to help you reach your full potential. Right, guys, welcome back to the Coaches Network. My name's Coach Justin. Today, I've got a very special guest with me. I've got first team coach at Cardiff City, James Robbery. How are you, James? I'm good, thanks, Jazz. How are you? Yeah, fine, thank you, mate. Look, I'm not going to waste any time, James. So, you know, we're going to get straight into the heart of it. Would you mind okay. telling us where you started your journey and how you got into coaching? Yeah, yeah. F- first, thanks for having me, Jazz. Um, uh, it's good to speak to you. I, I started. Um, so I got I got released at Bristol City when I was 16 um, as a schoolboy. Um, I had four years there, and then I, then I went to Newport County. Um, it wasn't Newport County as it is now. They, they were in the Conference South, I think, and um, part of their program they had they had a, they had a, a setup with a with a school called Hartridge High School where I went to as a, as a, as, a, as, a, as a lad. So. Um, I went to Newport County Academy there and Hartridge Academy. Um, did my A levels um, when I was sixteen to eighteen. But uh, the the my coach then, if you like, was was a gentleman called Glyn Jones who who sent me down the coaching path. Really, probably realised I wasn't good enough as a player, um, but he sent me down the coaching path. I started doing my level one when I was sixteen, um, and then by the time I was nineteen, then. Left when I left the school um, and Newport, I went to university in Swansea. Um, I did a HND in sports science, but also did my B license. And then in that in that time, then I started working community programs um, in in local areas in Newport, like doing play schemes. And then that that went from one thing to another. Um, started working for sport development unit in Newport when I was still in Swansea. Um, and then because of that, my role became, I got a contracted role 
within within the sport development unit in Newport, where I was doing twenty five hours a week. So I moved my university degree to, to Newport, um, and then it just unraveled there. So I was do, doing community programs, um, coaching in grassroots teams, um, and then getting a really diverse stretch of, of of coaching experience. It wasn't just football. I was doing doing all different types. It was uh, American flag football, hockey, tennis, multi sports. Working within the school where I was, where the sport development project was, and then I went. I had a phone call off Glyn Jones to go back working at Newport within the academy when I was twenty one. Um, I did about six to twelve months there within the under 18s with Glynn. And then I did, I started my A licence, got my A licence then when I was 22. Um, and then really started working then for the FAW Trust um, as, a, as a development officer. And then I, I, wor- I worked there for, for seven years. And then I was working at Newport for a while, but then my job became full-time with the FAW Trust in the coach education department, uh, become a coach development officer, then became um, head of a head of one of the coaching pro- coach education programs nationally. And in that time, then I was working. Um, I did a bit of uh, coaching at Mangotsfield uh, in that time, and I was doing the girls uh, under 16s national team. Then, as I was still working at Cardiff, then I, I finished at Mangotsfield and started working at Cardiff Park 14. Um, I was doing my pro license at the same time. And then I got my pro license by the time I was 29. Uh, and then I became, then I left the, the FAW Trust and went, went and worked with uh, Cardiff within the academy. Um, got appointed by Dick Bate. Uh, worked work with Dick for a year and uh, went then the year in the academy uh, looked after the youth development phase 12 to 16s and I was doing in the 16s uh, as well with another coach and then after three months of becoming head of coaching in uh, I was thinking about it this morning it was September 2014 I went up into the first team and then being first team coach ever since um so that's been i think i'm going into my seventh season as first team coach at Cardiff, sixth or seventh season so it's been uh it's been it's been a good journey it's been um it's been different different coaching experiences along the way but but that's that's really how i got started and, and kind of where i am now brilliant thank you for that one quite in depth uh, i guess rundown of what your journey's been like you know and there's a few key things i wanted to kind of just touch on within that you know you said you started you know off in a more of a sports development role early on in your coaching journey where you had experience of across the world for different um a range of different sports how how important would you say those experiences were in terms of supporting you on, on where you are now um and maybe what was there an element of maybe delving into those different sports that helps you maybe focus and switch attentions more towards football eventually? Most definitely. Um, I was told when I first started started getting into coaching and, and, and the important thing was to get as many experiences as you can to help you in the future. 
So without having the playing background um, of, of, of a professional footballer, where I played as a, as a youngster at a decent level, but as a professional footballer, I needed as a non-professional footballer, I needed to get as many experiences as I could. So that was working with a wide range of, of, of young children with disabilities, working with kids on the cusp of, of expulsion in schools, working in socially deprived areas where there was high drug crime, high antisocial behaviour, working with senior citizens, taking them to bingo classes, running classes and exercise classes with them. That gave me, when I look back now, that gave me key um, life skills to be able to cope later on in, 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 in my career, if you like. Mm. Just on that then, you know, what would you say were some of the major, I guess, skills or, yeah, attributes that you felt you developed by working in those other sports that maybe you felt as soon as you now maybe specialise and maybe focus more specifically on the football aspect of things that were, that you found were very transferable um, and that, I guess, put you in good stead going forward, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think probably if you just look on a pure coaching perspective, first of all, was that when working in grassroots football or grassroots sport, the most important thing was enjoyability for, for, for the boys and girls that, that I was working with. So that, that was quite, that was always at the front of, of, of my mind was to ultimately then you were trying to keep children off the street. Mm. And that hour you had with them when I was working in, it was an area called Somerton um, in Newport and it was classed as a community first area at the time. So this is going back 15 years ago. And the most important thing for those for those children was was enjoyment and fun because you didn't know what they were going back into when, when they left us for that hour or two hours that we had with them we didn't know what they were going back into so it was always a fun safe enjoyable environment but always being enjoyable um, and that, that that was always important um for 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 when i was working there so that that was that was key and then the transferable skill set i suppose was that three things was that the sessions were realistic, relevant and enjoyable uh, or challenging, if you like. Um, and that, that, that was always important when I, when I was working and when I was delivering coach education courses um, to level one coaches, that, that was always key. And then as, as I went through and when I was delivering on A licenses, it was always important to make it enjoyable uh, sessions, but you obviously f- you're focusing on detail and, and tactical and know-how and, and covering almost at the four-corner approach that, that the FA use. Yeah. Just, you know, just touching on it, you were talking about the A-licence, you know, you, you also mentioned that, you know, you did your A-licence at the age of 22. Um, yes. Considered relatively young, um, someone to go and complete their A-licence at that stage. What was that journey like for you? And was that was that something you completed in, in Wales or was that over in England? No, I did it in Wales because um, I was obviously part of yeah. the, the coach education setup. Um, I, I did that in Wales, and uh, I was I was one of the youngest at the time to get it and and to get my pro license at the time. But then when I look back at it now, about being the youngest doesn't really mean anything when, yeah. when you get that qualification. When I look at it now, it's it's the experiences along the way yeah. that you get, and that that's that's the most important thing. Definitely. And I think just you know I definitely agree with you on that. And I just want you to maybe delve in a little bit more and just talk mm-hmm. maybe what that experience was like being someone so young going through that because I feel like. Um, you know, one of my roles, are, and I deliver coach education for the FA as well. And what we tend to find is a lot of coaches, and I'm sure you know you've 
you might have had a similar mindset as as probably did I when I was when I was younger. We just wanted to get through the qualifications, get get what we need to get, tick those boxes, so we can get into the role that we're looking for, if that makes sense. Um, rather than really appreciate the time, and as you touched on there, we're looking back on it, the experiences that we go through, as opposed to the qualifications that we gain and how soon we gain those qualifications. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. I was probably looking at it when I was, and when you're younger, you're more naive to it. So when, when I was younger, I was thinking, right, get the qualification and it's done. And then I've got that on my CV. Then when I get the pro license, well, that's that's a qualification. Right, I've got that on my CV. And as you get older, you appreciate it more. And I look back on the experiences and I think sometimes now, do you need to gain experiences before you go on those courses, before then you push on? Yeah. That's easy for me to say that now because I've got it. Yeah. So uh, that's 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 easy. And if if I was starting, I'd, and I I heard someone saying that, I'd be thinking, well, I, I'm not sure I agree with it. But as 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 I've got older, I probably think that I wish I had more experiences going into those qualifications. Mm. I think some not, challenges are though within that. Sorry to cut you there, but is having those experiences before when now I guess a. Uh, governing bodies or the coach education uh, systems are now reviewing your applications is mm-hmm. very difficult to maybe uh, decide you know decipher out those that are actually got the qualification also got the necessary experience to go on or those that maybe just know someone who's written them a letter of recommendation if that makes sense yeah yeah no I get that I get that um, I, I suppose but then if you need a job within the academy, you've got to have, if you want to work in the, in the PDP phase, you need your A license. Yeah. So there's, there's pros and cons to it both. Um, but just, just on my experiences, I, I was young when I did it and it, and it taught me a lot um, with regards to, again, you're dealing with a lot of older senior pros. When I, when I did my A license, there was 48 people on the course. Mm. And that was in Aberystwyth and you spend a week and then you go away. You spend a week there as a residential, go away and you have another week there to follow your assessment on course with players you didn't even know. But now that the coach education programme in, in Wales especially, and I can only speak of that because of my experiences and working there was, and even from when I, when I finished working there seven, eight years ago, still do part-time work for them, but it has come on leaps and bounds to when I, I was I was you know, helping to run a program and running a program there. It's it's come on so, so much with regards to mentoring. It's come on so much with regards to distance learning mm. and the pandemic, which is which we're going through and we've been through, and hopefully we're through the worst of it, has probably enhanced distance learning within governing bodies. Oh. And also, and that's, 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 you have to try and take positive out of every situation. And, and I would imagine every governing body, whether it be in football, rugby, whatever, has probably enhanced their distance learning capabilities through through this pandemic. Definitely. You know, just touch, touching on that, you know, because I, I remember going through my A-license and I, was, I think I was 25 at the time when I did mine. Um, mm. And my, my, you know, contrary to some of the thoughts, you know, that a lot of coaches and a lot of coach educators would advise, um, my thing has always been, if I know what I'm working towards, then it makes it clear for me to work towards it, if that makes sense. So I know, right, I could go, you know, I might be advised not to maybe go and do the B license, not to go and do the A license so soon or whatnot. But then what would you say to those coaches who maybe 
from that perspective think, okay, well, if I know what the B license expectations are, or if I know what the A license expectations are, then I can go and start preparing myself for that. Um, even if it does take me a little bit longer to get through the qualification itself, but mm. I, I know the standard maybe or the expectation I need to be hitting, if that makes sense. Yeah, I suppose everybody's journey is different um, and everybody's skill level at certain times can vary. So there'll be, there'll be, the, the, the way I look at this is that, well, I, I might have met somebody 10 years ago and they, they might not, been, not have been to the level of coaching that was required to work within an organisation. But that doesn't mean they're still the same coach they were 10 years ago. Yeah. They would have improved, they would have developed, they would have developed their skill set. So they could be a, a 10 times better coach than what they were, but everybody's journey is different. But you need to know where you're going to be able to get there. Mm-hmm. Hence what you're saying with regards to expectations of delivery on courses. What is what is expected of a B licensed coach? What is expected as an A licensed coach? What is expected of a pro licensed coach needs to be and I think it's clear in, in, in Wales is it's clear what, what the expectations are. Obviously not worked into the, the in, in a full time capacity for, for the last eight, nine years. But um I think as long as you know where you what you need to do and what the expectations are, if that is told and shown to you, then then that, that helps every coach's journey. Yeah. But also, also for me, a coach is not defined by their qualification. 100%. I just want to take you back to your journey now a little bit then. You know, you said that you went into obviously Cardiff, initially working in the academy system, in the YDP phase, um, yeah. and progressed into the professional development phase. Is that correct? Well, no, I, I went from um, YDP, then became head of coaching. Head coaching sure. Yeah, for, for for three or four months. Okay, and yeah, going from I guess a predominantly coaching role to maybe more a coach development role. Um, obviously, you mm-hmm. touched on some of that stuff that you were doing for the for the FAW prior to that. How was that transition? What were some of the key takeaways from you when doing that role, albeit a brief time? Um, what the, I was quite fortunate that I, that I was head of coaching, and I was doing the under sixteen still. So I still had a grasp on um, uh, coaching three or four times a week and then game day on a Saturday. Um, the transition was, um, I can't say there was a huge transition in it because coach mentoring I was doing previously when I was working for, for the FAW um, in coach education, um, part of that role was was mentoring. So I still had that grasp on trying to help coaches mm. uh, within that. So it was, pr- it was seamless in some ways, but the workload became greater. The workload became greater. And I suppose that the, the toughest thing was was the workload. And I know of, of the, the workload that is put on academy coaches is, you know, a lot. When I was doing it, I was in at eight, start at eight, finish at eight, because you've got to open the building, lock the building. Yeah, and you, you kids, the, the players are at different times, and I suppose from a when you, I, I see the difference from academy coaching to, to working with the first team. The the hours are probably not as long, but the hours are more intense in first team. If that makes sense. Yeah, and the because the expectation is greater, and the pressure is greater. So the time you're working is more intense, mm. and you 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 will plan with more detail when you're working within first team players, and that's just normal. That that's it shouldn't be, but it's just a, it's just a it's a 
it's a consequence of who you're working with. Yeah. You know, just, you have to step up. You know, just kind of take you back a little bit there. You know, you talk, you talk here about your seamless transition. Do you mind if maybe touch on some of the, I guess, the day-to-day stuff in terms of what that actually looks like in terms of being a, a head of coaching or even tr- as a coach developer in that sense and maybe what some of the key skill sets and attributes that you might feel have benefited you in supporting other coaches yeah so some some co- when, when you're when you're ahead of coaching some coaches might have great experiences than you yeah some coaches might have if if, if you're a if you're a head of coaching that, that's not been an ex-pro oh sorry being a professional footballer or you're a head of coaching that's not played a high level. So I, I think the most important, one of the most important skills to have as a head of coaching is to be personable, is to have a, a personality that you can get along with, with most people. And your personality has got to be able to either push or pull information and get to people where you want them to go to. And you do that sometimes without that person knowing you're doing it, but helping them along their journey to ultimately you're trying to make them a better coach to make the players better. Because um, if you get better coaches, ultimately you're going to get better players mm. or improve players with better coaching. And I think the the other um, the other skill for a head of coaching is to be able to make the coach realise which you know, let, let's, most coaches will. It's, it's not about you as the coach, it's about the player. And ultimately our job as a head of coaching or a developer of young players is to make them better, to produce players for your first team mm. or to produce players for professional football. Um, and that, that's obviously a key, for me, is a key um, role for, for, for a head of coaching. And in terms of obviously, you know, moving from the head of coaching now, you've gone from head of coaching into what was then the f- moved into first team coaching is that correct yeah it became first team coach so um you've been doing that for about seven eight years you said now so yeah so tw- september 2014 okay I, yeah i stepped up into in, into the first team so that would have um, been just just after or just or maybe during Solskjaer's reign there yeah so, so Solskjaer left in the september um i think it was on the wednesday or thursday and then Scott Young and Danny Gabbardon became caretaker managers. Yeah. Um, Scott was doing under-18s at the time. Um, and obviously, I was had a coaching. And Scott Scott said to me that he wanted he wanted me to go up with him um, into into the first team. And then stayed there ever since. Yeah. So it was lucky that, that, that Scott had asked me to do that. And obviously, forever grateful for him um, for giving me that opportunity. Then him and Danny. And then I worked under... Under Russell, uh, under Paul Trollope, then under Neil Warnock, and then obviously now under, under Neil Harris. So you talk about obviously working under a range of different coaches, um, yeah, or managers and, and whatnot. What would you say are some of the major differences between some of those coaches? And you know, was there any particular things that you saw in each individual, uh, I guess, era um, that you felt okay? I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick on that and I'm going to use that to my advantage and you know really take that on board and I can imagine that you know initially when you know working with different managers now if you're already there as a mainstay first team coach did, did that ever cause any issues or challenges for you yeah okay so so if I, if I answer the first part of it um I, th- I think you look you learn from every situation 
and and me me as a coach, I think I'm forever learning. Um, and I think as a coach, if you think you've cracked it and you think you're the, the you're, you're the best at what what you can do, I think you're on a slippery slope. And I I always look at myself every time I deliver or every time I might have to speak to players, whether it's individually or as a unit or whether it's on the pitch. I always analyse myself and think, well, that could be better. And I always think, I, I rarely look at positives, which is not, not always a good thing. I rarely look at the positives of what, what I deliver. I always look at, well, what can I do to improve? Mm. I think that, that's a really important thing that, that I've just, I, I picked that myself. And when I worked with um, my early days with Glyn Jones and then with Oshin Roberts, who was technical director, mm-hmm. and obviously with them with Dick Bates, was that you always need to improve if you're not improving you're not evolving if you're not evolving you're not making your players better so that, that's the first thing that I look at first of all is myself then the different types of managers and, and coaches assistant managers head of fitness and sports science analysis guys I, I probably work with I'd say over 15 50 different technical staff mm. in 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 my whole time at Cardiff so I've I've taken bits off everybody um, and there's good, there's bad, and there's indifferent, and there's things that that you'll go away and think, well, yeah, I can, I can use that, or I'm not going to use that, and that that's that's the thing. But the the two the the biggest thing that I've probably learned from the five managers that I work with was that there's kind of coaching schools and there's management schools. Mm-hmm. So I've had different experiences in them all. And it's probably trying to find the balance between the two. And it's what probably gives long the best longevity to to that, if that makes sense. So if I if I'm looking at pure coaching schools, when I when I work with my team, I'm just gonna focus on coaching, coaching, coaching. And then if I look at a management school, then I'm looking at how I manage individuals on a daily basis. Mm. I think it's getting that balance between the two, but also getting time to be able to balance between the two. And I think that's not, as a coach, your job is to coach. Also, you've got to manage situations as well. Ultimately, the manager manages. That's, that's the ultimate. And whatever the manager says you do and you work towards with whatever framework that, that he wants. And I talk he because of, obviously I mean, I'm, I'm in the men's game. Yeah. Um, but it's obviously ultimately what he wants what, what, and that's what we work towards. But then I think you've got, to, you've got to manage down, you've got to manage sideways and you've got to manage up to help the manager. Um, as well as coaching, because um, the for me the coaching is the easiest bit. Mm. Coaching on the grass is the easiest bit. It's probably the politics and everything else that comes along with it is the hardest bit, uh, which 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 you see on 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 on, on different occasions at different clubs. Um, so that would be kind of my my experiences there from from those wide ranging um, managers and experiences that I work with. And we can come on to that again in a bit. But um, going back to the second part of the question was that when you are a mainstay at a club for such a long time, is that there is kind of that perception of you, well, you've been there for a long time. Can we trust you? And and are you any good? Do we want to work with you? But ultimately, I always believe if, if, if a manager didn't want you there, that you wouldn't be there. Um, yeah, that that's that's my thought on it. Um, in in that sense, um, 
but I was very fortunate to, to work and um, with with uh, the owner that we got and um, the chief exec uh, uh, wanted that that longevity within the first team and um, familiar familiar familiarity. I get my words out properly. Was it was 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 key was key for them. So I'm fortunate that they they wanted that um, at the club. Um, but again, when when you're working on a daily basis, you're working for the manager of the football club, and that's what that's what ultimately that 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 you have to do, um, and you have to deliver what what they want within the framework that they want to be able to be successful. And just just on that, then you know you, you talk there about you being almost the mainstay at the club. You've been there for a number of years now. On that, have you ever had a time where maybe a coach has come in and you know you touched earlier on you used the word indifferent or maybe in some cases where you do agree and you don't. Um, have you had a time where maybe a coach has come in or sorry, a manager has come in rather and you they've maybe wanted you to work in a certain way that maybe conflicted with your way of thinking or your your beliefs? Um, mm. how, how have you gone about managing that if that, if that has occurred? Yeah. So as a, as, a, as a first team coach, ultimately your job is to deliver what the manager wants. If the manager asks you for an opinion on something, then you give that in a way, and you you have discussions behind closed doors and in how you want things. So you might have that discussion with the manager, you might have it with the assistant, you might have it with with whoever it might be on that on that technical team. But for me, ultimately, you have that discussion, but you know you know what you've got to do, and you do it for what the manager asks. That that's your job as a first team coach, and you have to. If 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 you want to have, um, for my, my role slightly different. So, so in, in the sense of that, if if try and frame this in a, in a way where I've had longevity because I've had to be adaptable to to everybody that's come in, and I suppose that that's one of the things that I've, you have to be adaptable to what the manager wants and what the manager believes in, and ultimately you have to win football matches at first team level. And you have to win football matches with what you've got at your disposal. And that's what I've learned that you've got to do to work within the environment that I'm working in. And I, and I have no problem with that. Because yeah. um, the most important thing is, is, is at first team level is to win. If you don't win, you're not going to be in a job. And again, when, when any manager goes from, from whoever you work with and you go with them or you stay, you take it personally. Um and, and, and every manager I've, I've, had, I've, had a, I've had a good relationship with. Um, and it's important that as, as, as my role, you, yeah, and, and you, you do have closer relationships with others, um, with, with, with different managers because of, because of the situation it is. But I've, I've, I can't say that I've, I've had a bad relationship with anybody. And the most important thing for me is being adaptable to what, what the manager wants. And it's how you make that, how you deliver your sessions to what, what they require and what they need. Definitely. And, you know, speaking of relationships with managers there, you know, I'm taking back to your time at Cardiff uh, mm. when you first started there in the academy. Um, you know, I'm talk, I'll talk a little bit about Dick Bate. You know, I've had a number of guests on the show recently um, that I've referred to Dick and, you know, I guess I've never had the pleasure of meeting him, um, but I've heard a lot of good things about him. I just wanted to, if you want to talk, talk, talk to the impact maybe he had on you or the the influence he maybe had on you in the initial stage of your journey, if at all, he had any? Yeah, of course he did. He, um, 
I think a, a, along 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 your journey as a coach, you'll have different mentors and different people that that you'll you'll work with along your way. Um, I don't think you necessarily grow mentors, but just where you end up working, you end up working with different people and taking advice off different people. Um, I think what 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 Dick did was was make you think outside the box. wasn't conventional in it in his way of thought. Um, wasn't pragmatic. He just had this approach to to make you think and make you um, want to be better. Mm. And if you we were trying to make yourself better, you were going to make your players better. And that was ultimately what it was. And I can't speak highly enough of of, of, of the man. In in ultimately, it was him. It was Dick Bay and, and and Kevin Cooper as well. Kevin Cooper had you know was an influence and me coming into Cardiff as well, but. Um, Dick was ultimately the, the person that that appointed me into the academy, and uh, the, the time it was it was just great times we had we, we had when 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 we worked in the academy and um, he was very humble, um, especially with with the people that he worked with in the game and and, and the and the level that he worked at. He was he was just he was just a great human being, first of all, and then secondly. As a coach educator and a coach developer, I don't think there's any better than him. Um, I've obviously worked with Oshin Roberts, who, who, who will be up there as well. But but Dick Dick has Dick, Dick has been in the game for a lot lot was in the game for a lot lot longer. Um, but but he just he just made you think every day, and he he came up to you and he just he dropped one liners in that, that to keep you on your toes. Um, yeah. But what he did do, he demanded standards. And working with him on, on on a daily basis over the course of twelve months, because that's all we worked. He, he left because um, obviously he came in with yeah. Malky Mackay, um, and then when Oli Gunnarsson after he had his his first six months, Dick left in the, in the summer, and that's when James McCarthy became head of academy or academy manager, and I became head of coaching. Mm. Um, but he, he he demanded standards of everybody. He demanded standards of his staff, demanded standards of his players. And you can talk about, you know, yeah, he wanted people to develop, but but he had standards and the standards were high. And that was in discipline and that was in 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 the values that he had. And he he, he set out five key values which which I still I still think about every day. And if I can remember from the top of my head, they were education, inspiration, um, industry, uh behavior and on the top of my head I can't remember the other one but but they they were things that that, that we kept within the academy and I still look at to this day about well, what's important with developing players that that's that's quite key that's quite key so yeah just just he, he, he was he was great to work with and, and, and help me with my journey no end you know just talking there about you know helping you on your journey and you know obviously seeing him and some capacity as almost as a mentor. I'm just interested to know whether you actually had anyone else that you maybe looked at in that in that perspective from that perspective as a potential mentor. Or maybe what were some of the biggest lessons that you've kind of taken from them? Yeah, in, in probably my early days was when, when I started at Newport was 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 a guy called Glenn Jones, um, who I still speak to now. Um, and Glenn, Glenn Glenn had worked with my grandfather. Uh, when my grandfather was was youth team coach in Newport County back in the seventies and eighties, so there was a, there was a connection there. Um, another gentleman when when I started in, in my sport development days called Greg Woods, 
um, who, who helped me in, in the community side of it. Uh, obviously, I worked with Oshin Roberts when he was technical director. Um, you look at look at Dick Bates, and then re- really probably in in the first team environment more so was was Paul Trollope. Um, Charles was excellent. Charles was excellent for, for me when he came in and and under Russ uh, when when Russ was first team manager. Charles was brilliant, you know, from from a coaching perspective. He had a great time with Chris Coleman when when he was with Wales, um, and he was he was brilliant. Uh, from from a coaching side of it, just just helped me, um, kind of uh, develop, uh, and and that now, you know, I then then I obviously work with with Russ Slade, and I, I work with Neil Warnock, and you, you had his staff there as well, who, who help you along the way, um, and then now now I work with with Neil Harris, the, the gaffer now, and, and Dave yeah. Evermore, who, who who again in in. In, in the likes of, of, of trials, really, I, I hold them in the same light with, with what they're like, um, with, with helping me in my journey. So having, having you know, you know, you touched on the various different individuals there. What would you say is one of the biggest lessons that you've taken from them as a collective? Hard work, uh, work ethic was 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 fundamental um, to it, and but also probably in this pandemic has made us realize even more about working smart. So you can work hard and you can watch games and you can, you can analyze things and look at things, but it's almost working smart within it. And then I think when you, when you, when you take your time away from, from football, you tend to think more as well. So if I spend time with my kids and I can try it, it's hard to switch off because it is, but when I do have time with my, my, my two girls, and, and, and we're as a family, it's just you kind of it helps you switch off, um, and then and you almost come back into it refreshed. And I think that's important that that you have that time and you have that break. And probably Neil Warnock was the biggest one for that to to teach me that was to have time with your family um, and the importance of that. And that that was that was important um, as well because it it makes you. It, it takes you away from it a little bit, and then yeah. that helps you think clearer. That helps you think clearer. So, j- just on that, then, you know, would you mind going into a bit of detail around your current role and what that looks like on a day to day? Because obviously, you touched there, you know, the hours aren't as extensive in, in, in most cases. However, the the depth and the intensity of those hours can be, you know, a much higher level than uh, potentially, a, you know, a full time academy role. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ultimately, the the manager's got the hardest job at the football club because he's got to deal with all different facets. So I think the the coaching side of it, we're we're there to support him as 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 much as we can. So first and foremost, as as my role as first team coach, it's changed and and evolved over the years um, in in different ways. So as as first team coach, really, is to support the manager what to what he wants um, and to pick up any tasks that. But maybe that's from an organisational point of view that, that he doesn't want to not that he doesn't want to deal with, but he'll have more greater and pressing things to deal with. So it could be anything organisationally that that he wants. Um, then if I just look on from if we go if you if you talk it as office based first of all, um, I quite talk it in that sense is that um, uh, the planning the training. Um, so we'll work. Uh, I'll work closely with the assistant manager, David Livermore. 
again is excellent. Um, excellent to work with. Again, like 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 the manager, he's they're two good, really good guys to work with. I've been really really lucky to, to work with them. Um, uh, to plan training, um, the manager will deliver the bits that he wants. We'll work towards a game model that we have, um, and within that, then we'll plan training accordingly. Within it, we'll work closely with with the head of, head of fitness, Carl Sorrent. Um, to work whether we're work, work with regards to what type of work physically that we need with the players, um, how we're gonna how we're gonna get the best get them physically. Is it is it intensive days? Is it extensive days? Um, is it recovery day? Is it a team prep day? Um, in, in that sense, we'll plan training. Then we'll look at what individuals that we need to try and hone in on after training to try and get the best out of them. It tends to be the younger players that we'll do that with um, and what individuals that they need. Then from in, in the office-based environment, we'll look at the analysis side of it with regards to work closely with. Uh, we've got uh, some excellent analysts as well at the club. I've got to say that the, the analysts that we've got are superb. Um, uh, a lad called Jack Madison, um, a lad called Josh Morris, and then uh, Paddy the boys has, has, has worked in the analysis department, but he's gone into into the recruitment side of it more. But they're three excellent analysts that we're lucky to work with who film training for us. Um, but also then we'll work closely with the manager with regards to the opposition analysts. Also then put statistical data that we'll need um, to, to look at. And then again, they're, they're really good guys. Um in, in, and also their work's excellent um, so we'll work closely with them to to what we need in film and training um, speak to um, other staff if there's any other requirements organisationally that we need to do work closely with the physios then on, on the on the grass really it's it's kind of the, the, the manager will really focus in on there's always bits that the manager will always need to deliver, and that that's 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 the way it should be. Is that he'll always deliver eleven v eleven elements of training, um, and and again the, the gaffer gets his point across strongly, and and uh, and again is a good coach and puts things across in 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 a way that's clear for the players from a defensive organisational viewpoint, but also from attacking view a viewpoint. But also then we look at transitionally what we need to do in and out. Uh, possession so you'll always nail in on that and it's really um, uh, myself and Dave will will pick up things around that Um, Dave's ultimately the assistant manager so he's he's been with Neil previously so so knows how Neil works and now I've got a greater understanding of of how, how the gaffer works as well but we'll then pick up things around that um, whether that's in a unit format, whether that's in carousel format, whether that's in possession-based format, mm. whether we're looking at general sessions, specific sessions. It depends on the day. depends on what we need to get into the players. And when we're planning sessions as well, for, when we're working on the grass, it's also hearts and minds. So is it a session where we need to be quite general and let the players play? And whether that's a, a, a four-goal possession, whether it's a three-team possession, whether it's a three-team small-sided game, whether it's cross and finishing, or whether it's specific where we need to work in units or whether we need to do something in the finishing phase or something in the progress phase or something in the build-up phase. 
both in and out of possession. We need to kind of focus in on that. So, um, again, what we're good guys that we can kind of um, look at that and we deliver that on the grass to, to, to how the manager wants it ultimately. And then we'll analyse training afterwards uh, once once we get that from, from the coach, uh, from the analysts. And then we'll also look at the physical data that we got in place that, that if we did hit it, did we work too long? Did we not work long enough? Did we hit certain uh, metrics that we needed to hit? Um, and then after training, is there any individuals that we need to speak to? Do we need to get around the players in certain ways? Do we need to speak to anybody because someone's lacking in confidence? Is someone that, we, that the manager needs us to, to, to speak to? Is there any recruitment then that we need to cover afterwards that if the manager wants us to look at certain players that um, in, in different aspects? But the role is what, what, uh, wide-ranging, but it's, it's a great job. And I've got to go in and I've got to say that I go into work every day and I love going to work every day. Mm. I do. You, know, you talk there about you know thanks for going quite in depth there around what your working week would look like you know and take you back to something you touched on and just before that was that idea of being able to switch off mm. how just you know would you mind just you know talking to you how difficult it can be to switch off because you know you're almost consumed in it so much that can you truly switch off and if you mm. do and if you have managed to do so you know what what is it that you're doing? And obviously you talk there about spending time with your family and maybe taking time, uh, quote unquote, away from the environment. But it's not as simple as that, is it? No, it's not. Um, I suppose it's easier for a coach to switch off than it is for a manager. Because the manager's constantly thinking, what's his team going to be? Um, what's my next team going to be in three weeks' time? How am I going to try and sign this player? How am I going to deal with this member of staff? He's got the hardest job ultimately, um, so it's easier for for a coach to switch off, and and it and it is. Um, you don't fully probably you don't probably fully switch off, um, but I say it's a lot easier to switch off than, than what it is for the manager um, to do so. Um, but I'll I'll do that in different. You can that's done in different ways. It's done through exercise. Um, it's done through being friends and family. Done it a variety of different ways, um, but 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 for me, probably do you completely switch off? Probably not. Um, and if you love, and it is, and again, for a lot of people, football is a hobby. Yeah. Um, for and it is a hobby in, in many ways. Doesn't that make it even harder than to switch off? Yeah, totally agree. So much attachment to it and enjoyment with it. Totally agree because because I love Sky Sports News on as soon as I get up in the morning. But my little girl, I want to watch Peppa Pig or Barbie's Playhouse or something. So yeah. I so that that makes you switch off. Sure I, 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 yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. I want to watch Peppa Pig, but <laughs> it's um, it's uh, it's that makes you switch off straight away because Daddy do this, Daddy do that. So your kids are ultimately make you switch off, and pro- probably having children as as I wouldn't say I'm a, over in time you hope you become a better coach, but having kids has probably made me a better coach because of yeah. it's may, may be able made me switch off. Um, and give me that opportunity to do so because you have got to go do things like watch Peppa Pig and take into Peppa Pig world and and do all the things that 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 you wouldn't do if you didn't have kids. So I've been quite fortunate with that. Um, but switching off is 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 from it's because it is a hobby to, to to everybody and that's what makes it hard. But it's also a profession. But it's like yesterday morning, I 
because all, all or nothing came out yesterday, didn't it? With with the Tottenham it's documentary. Thursday. So I've uh, I, I watched three episodes yesterday and day before. So Monday and Tuesday, I'm watching three episodes of All or Nothing. And when I'm on the bike in the gym, I'm watching the third episode on on, on the bike because so you can't really switch off because you're thinking, well, what they're doing on there is that well, can, can, what can you learn from it? So yeah, yeah. you're all you're always subconsciously or consciously you you you, you think you're switching off, but you're probably not. Mm. Just oh, managing yeah. the load, isn't it? Really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, definitely. So, 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 I guess within that, then what you know, obviously, talk there about being a hobby, and it can be, it, it, you know, you do have an attachment to it because the enjoyment that comes with it. But you also mentioned that it is profession, so it's not always going to be enjoyable in that respect. So, in times where maybe things are a bit challenging and difficult, what helps to keep you inspired and motivated to keep pushing through, and I guess being your best. Yeah, I was. I was. Say, I've said by. Um... When I first started, was Tony Pulis said to me, he said, um, don't take the highs too high and don't take the lows too low because in the championship, games come thick and fast and you get a quick enough time to turn around. So when we lose or win, you got to try and think of the next game. You try and enjoy the moment um, after the game with the staff and whether you have a beer or you get home or an every takeaway. But it's kind of you think of the next game and it's, again, it's hard. It's more pressing for the managers to do that and it's easy from a coaching side of it because you're thinking about what well, the elements of the training that we did in that week, did it come out in the game and did it benefit us and did it help us get a positive result or did an individual get better? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's kind of kind of an important thing. Definitely. And, you know, just kind of just build on that then, you know, you took something that you said that you've got to go with the highest goal, with the lows, you've got to kind of take it as they come. Now, on that note, what would you say is one of the biggest challenges you've had within your journey? And if you've been able to, how have you, got, how have you managed to get, deal with that where it might just be something you're currently dealing with? Um, I, th- I think over time, the biggest challenge I have in, in, in it all, I, I've never had, what I, what I would say is what well, they never said to me, I, I've never had issue with player, a player saying to me, well, you haven't played, so how can you tell me what to do? I've never had that because I think that teaching and coaching and developing is is slightly different to playing. It's, if you've been experienced, it helps. It does help. But then I've got to work harder to to study the game and try and become yeah. as organised as I can to try and get sessions best out. So that that has never been a challenge with, with players. Um, just, just on that though, like, I think equally... I think it's credit to maybe the environment that you've been working in and in that it's set up in a way by what you're saying where the players just trust that the people in the environment are there for the right reasons, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Oh, listen, the players, might, the players might say things under their breath or say something to one another. I don't know. Sure. I don't know. You know, and if they do, they they, they do. But what, what, what I've got, I've never... If, if I always felt if a, a player will never be shy in saying something if he's got something on his mind. I've learned yeah. that. I've learned that. Whether that's in a in a group environment or one to one environment, they'll say it. If there's something that they're vexed about, they'll say it. Um, so I've never I've never had an issue with players that. I think you've got to prove yourself to. I've always had to, in some ways, more than others, had to try and prove your worth um, when I've worked under different people uh, and different coaches. And it takes time to do that, and it takes time to build trust. And that's normal. And that's normal because some people will be more trusting than others and it takes time and that's fully understandable um and i get that um 
So that that's been a challenge that you've always had to do is pr- is prove and working in, in different environments. Um, but I suppose once once they get to know you and that's that's always makes it a little bit easier because um, ultimately you want the best for the team and that's what the manager wants and the manager wants to win and you're trying to produce a high performance environment and that's what ultimately we're trying to do is to produce that high performance environment and that's what you're trying to do as a manager so that's when you're trying to prove your worth is you're doing it for the betterment of the team which ultimately you win that's what yes. you want to do is, 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 is win um, you know, yeah. just to kind of on that then you know kind of tail off that then we're talking about working towards developing high performance environment whether that's in a first team or a youth youth setting what would you say is some of the, maybe the, your biggest pet hates or bugbears that you've come across within your coaching journey and I'll, we've all got them um, yeah what, what would that be for you yeah I think if, if you just look at first of all to go off on a, on a slight tangent I, I was yeah. fortunate and I'm fortunate to speak to somebody called Keith Power um, Keith Keith um, uh, I got put in touch with him through Ian Mitchell when I, when I was doing my pro license. Um, in I, I did a pro license visit in in San Francisco. I went to Cal Berkeley, and Keith was high performance director um, at, at Cal, and I stayed in touch with him ever since. And Keith used to be Keith, is a sports psychologist by trade, uh, was an Olympian himself, um, worked with. In the press, you know, it's, it's common knowledge that he worked with David James, Joe Cole, um, a variety of diff- different people. Worked at Aston Villa, worked at Norwich, worked, worked at Harlequins, worked in business environments as well. But I, I'm, I'm lucky that I, I probably speak to Keith maybe once a week, maybe once every two weeks. Um, and he's a big advocate for, for high performance. And it's the high performance environment is not just about coaching. High performance environment, this is probably my biggest bug, but high performance is about a collective and it's about the importance of everybody and everybody's role is just as important as each other. So the chef's important is just as important as the as the groundsman. The groundsman's role is just as important as administrators. The administrator's role is just as important as the coaches because everybody has to be at their filled full tilt if you like to become the best you can possibly be so if if the food's not right if the pitch is not cut properly or if the kit the kit man if the kit's not put out properly players will pick up on it and that high performance environment is not as high as it can be yeah and i generally believe if you can try and get everybody working to high performance you're going to get a great better environment and that goes head of fitness, head of medical, head of catering, if we call it that, head groundsman, um, head of administration, um, head of academy, head of community programs. Everybody's got to strive to high performance environment for me. Because if you get that, you get the players performing to the best they can be. Because I think on Daniel Levy says it on, on, on All or Nothing that the team is the engine of the football club. And if you get the engine running properly, you're going to get success and you've got to try and produce that, that, that environment where it's, where it's, it's high performing. And I generally, generally believe that. And that's, that's bugbears a wrong word, but I suppose creating a high performance environment is key to success. Mm. And that's probably, that's, you're probably looking at then Yaza, that's, that's, that's um, a holistic approach to it. Then if you just zoomed in on, just zoomed in on coaching, I think 
my biggest bugbear. I I'll just talk personally about myself because I don't think it's. I think that's that's my best way to do it. Is that I always look at myself and think, well, what what can you do better? I hate it when something goes wrong in a training in a training session because I take it personally. Yeah, I take it personally myself, which is probably a weakness of mine, and I, I won't be afraid to say what my weaknesses are because I think then eh, that's that's a good thing to do. I think that I've got I I get I get a bugbear myself is that I get hung up on things if something's not right. Um, then I get hung up on things if 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 I don't deliver it to how I want it to be delivered if it goes wrong. Uh, but I I'm not afraid of of messy sessions because if something's messy, I think players are learning. Yeah. I think as coaches, sometimes we want it to be the perfect session, but if it's always perfect, the players learning, and that's that's where I always look at it. And I was lucky enough to work with some good guys at, at Cardiff and and um, in in the academy previously. Well, I worked with a guy called Lawrence Hallett, uh, Mark Neville, and in, in, when they worked in foundation phase, and a key thing at times for them was that sessions are going to be messy with younger players, and that's always key because then you know they're learning. Definitely. Um, and that that was always something that I always remember. Um, so probably the biggest bugbear myself is that when things go wrong, when I do when it's not right, which I feel is all that I can control. But one thing that I always be always told: well, you can't you can only control the controllables. And if I can control something, then, then I've got to make sure it's, it's, it's as best as it possibly can be. Definitely. And just as we start to wind down, I just want to build on that last bit there. You know, how you speak there from obviously a, a point of reflection, looking mm. back at your own journey and mm. all the experiences you've gained now. Now, if you had the opportunity to maybe go back and speak to yourself at the start of your coaching journey, back into the, maybe those sports development days where you're delving into different sports and you could give yourself one message, what would that be? To be to be calm and not overthink. And I think that's where as a young coach you'll do that sometimes. You'll overthink certain situations. Not so much anymore, because I think experiences do that, but to not overthink it. And that might be in a coaching sense, it might be dealing with something politically. Um, I think not to overthink. And that, that would be that would be my 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 I was going to talk to myself when I was 22, 23, 24. Don't, oh, don't overthink it. Uh, detail planning, but don't overthink from a culture perspective, and also from dealing with people, uh, dealing with dealing with pers- personnel. Mm. And you know, just coming back to yourself a bit now, mm-hmm. I just want to know maybe what's next for James. We've been working as first team coach for seven years now. Um, any plans on maybe going into management yourself one day or are you happy with doing what you're doing at the moment i my my, my thoughts are always that i want to try and work at the highest level possible in whatever that whatever that might be and i think that's 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 my drive at the minute is 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 to work at the highest level possible and that's with Cardiff city and ultimately we're trying to strive for uh, and and uh, and daniel harris we're trying to strive to be the, the, the best we can possibly be with what we got at disposal and for me right now it's it's doing the best for him and the football club and if that then ultimately then I believe then you you'll work at the highest level you possibly can and that that's that's when I see what's next for for me and the team that I work with is that we, we we're trying to be the best we can possibly be and trying to perform at the highest level we possibly can do and that's that's all I can do. Sure. 
And you know, just off the back of that, then you know, if you had sixty seconds now to leave the listeners with one golden nugget to take forward with them, um, potentially applying their own journeys in their own practice, what would that be? Yeah, I I remember this quote from when I worked at the FAW, and it's part of our coach education course at the time. Was that uh, it was a Charles Darwin quote? It was, it's not the strongest of species that survive; it's the ones that are most adaptable to change. And as a coach now, in the modern day, with the current climate that we're in, it's going to be the one, the coaches will be the most successful ones or the ones the most adaptable. And that's adaptable to, to situations, to players, to environments. I think that's, that's probably the, the one thing that I can say to, to coaches, whether that's a grassroots or academy or wherever that might be. Definitely. And just on a final note then, James, you know, you still relatively you know young when it comes to coaching when you do finally get towards the end of your career what would you want your legacy to be um that's a, that's a hard one um i suppose is that if a player or coach can turn around and say in years gone by whether i'm dead or alive or, or whatever is that uh, james Roby helped me in some way i suppose that's that's what coaching or teaching is about and whether that's in a in a player development format or a coach education format, is that that did he help? Did I help somebody in their journey um, to to make them better? Brilliant. Um, you know, just want to thank you again for your time today, James. Uh, no, no problem. Yes, very, no problem. Very, uh, very insightful conversation for me in particular. And I'm sure it'll be for the listeners as well. Um, just on a final note, then, you know, I was just wondering if you had anywhere where the listeners, if they did have any questions, could get in touch with you, maybe on social media somewhere. Yeah, I'm 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 on Twitter. Um, I think it's at underscore. Uh, sorry, at James underscore Robbery, and then uh, I'm on Instagram as well. But um, yeah, you can, can can catch me on there. Well, there you have it, guys. It's another edition of the Coaches Network Insight Series, where we sit down with experienced individuals across the multiple disciplines within the coaching world, hoping to explore their journeys and key insights in order to package away some golden nuggets that you can apply to help you reach your full potential. I've no doubt that you've enjoyed today's episode as much as we have, but I just want to say thanks again for tuning in. The support is much appreciated. Please do get in touch with us and today's guests. Let us know where you're listening from to share your thoughts, views and key takeaways from today's show, along with any suggestions you may have for guests or future topics on the show that you'd like to hear discussed. Ultimately, guys, the show is about yourselves. The content is for you and we just want to continue to create that great content. On that note, get in touch with us on Instagram at The Coaches Network and on Twitter at The Coaches Net. And if you want to touch base with Coach Ben, he's available on Instagram and Twitter at FocusBXN. Lastly, guys, keep an eye on our socials for the latest updates and announcements for upcoming guests and discussion topics with the panel. And until next time, guys, take care. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried and true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. 
Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.